Previously on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. I wish Mike Brown would have hired Urban Meyer last year when he moved away to be his football Sven Galley. Let him go build it. Because he can build programs. I mean, you know, and Urban's smart enough. And here's the other thing about Urban. I hated that. Digress or digress. regress? I hate to digress back. You're, you can digress. You're not regressing. Okay. Talk about urban. All right. I, 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 hate, I hate to digress going back to this, but he he can build things. Uh, very good. Good morning, sir. How are you this morning? Welcome back. It's nice to be back. Yes, my headphones aren't working, but that's okay. We'll persevere through that. Uh, we'll figure that one out as the podcast progresses. Yes, I'm uh, back in Ohio. Uh, something that I never thought I would ever do, uh, drive across the country from, uh, Arizona, but, uh, events what possessed you to do that. Well, um, while, uh, we were getting ready to leave, uh, my, uh, 22 year loyal friend, my Ford F-150 pickup, yeah. um, gave up the ghost <laughs> and, uh, given how, uh, you know, our lives are structured with a third driver coming on soon and, Needing to be able to go get hay for the horse. Everything's built around the horse, as you well know. If you've emphasized yes, over the Yes, the life years. is, yes. Uh, everything. And landscaping and mulching and stuff. A truck is essential. And so while we were in Arizona, we put uh, my father-in-law in the case of finding us a very good low-mileage truck. And so we found one out there. Priced it to comparable trucks in Ohio. It was significantly under that. And uh, they were getting ready to send it to auction, and so we uh, took advantage of that, and uh, I bought it and oh, wow. uh, drove it back home. How long? Uh, 1,952 oh, miles. I could think of a million things I'd rather do Yeah, 1,952 miles, uh, but I, I turned it into a Spielman uh, mental toughness test. Yes, yes, yes a mental toughness Yesterday, I uh, woke up in Joplin, Missouri. Uh, had gotten a full tank of gas the night before. You got to prepare. No one waste any time in the morning. Nope. Hit the highway. Um, 351 miles later, I stopped on the other side of St. Louis. Um, didn't run to the bathroom where I was afraid I might have an accident, but I, uh, I made it hopped to the bathroom. Back in the truck, 351 more miles, pulling the driveway six o'clock. So 700 Two miles, one stop. That's strong. 702 That's miles, strong. one stop. Yes, thank you very much. Did you listen to the bowl games on the way? I listened. Uh, New Year's Day was my uh, Albuquerque to Joplin trek. And I listened to uh, <laughs> I listened to Michigan. And I listened to the first three quarters of the Rose Bowl. And then I got into my hotel and watched the uh, final quarter of the Rose Bowl. Yeah, the Rose Bowl was a great game. Rose Bowl is always a great game to just to watch. And, uh, yeah, it was a great game, except Wisconsin's got to be kicking themselves, fumbling that away at the end. The fumble and the pass interference call was ridiculous again. I mean, yeah. I, I just don't understand how we can't get that right. And it, the, the problems continue with that call. And, and the fumble is the issue. Like, there, you have to overcome calls. You do. You're going to get some. They all balance out. I'm, I'm a believer in that, that they all balance out throughout the season. But in big games, you have to overcome calls by not uh, self-inflicting uh, turnovers yeah. or stupid mistakes or mental errors. Dropping a punt, dropping a punt or, snap, or or you know settling for field goals. Yeah. all those things. Didn't are, that kid drop a snap against Ohio State too? Didn't Wisconsin? I don't know. Play? They took him out of there. Somebody though. did. Yeah, yeah, they finally got him out of there. I guess two's their limit. Well, he missed him. the ball. It looked like. It I mean, like yeah, a, I mean, but he just dropped it. It's yeah. in his hands. You know, normally when you have problems on the snap, it's actually catching the snap he caught it fine yeah uh but you're right i mean uh, 
I will say this, and you and I have talked about this before. People say, you know, one play doesn't lose a game. Well, sometimes one play does lose a game because it happens at the end. The Brett Favre interception in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, thanks. You're missing a field goal. Vikings. I don't know why all my examples yeah, are Vikings I know, exactly. examples. Because they're the ones that bother you. And because they bother you, they bother <laughs> yeah. me, and I remember them. But at any rate, um, you know, a call with three minutes to go is harder to overcome than a call with, oh, I don't know, let's pull a time out of the air wildly, five minutes to go in the third quarter. It still hurts, yeah. but there's less time to account for it. But you're right. Don't drop a punt snap and give Oregon a free touchdown. Don't fumble inside your own 30. Don't settle for field goals in the red zone. You know, you can always blame other people. And this is true in life and football and whatever. It's always easier to blame other people than it is to look in the mirror and say, well, what did I do to put myself in a situation where, yes, an injustice cost me a game? Well, yeah, and uh, I thought Herbert uh, was tremendous. Oh, yeah, he was. You know, I, I mean, throwing the ball, he's pretty good. Uh, running the ball, he was really good. Three touchdowns. And what really stood out to me about the Rose Bowl was how uh, tough Oregon's defense played. I mean, they really did a great job. And Pac-12, like uh, the Big 12, is not known for its defensive toughness. But I thought uh, that they were they were outstanding. And I watched the Citrus Bowl earlier. Yeah. And I'm not going to beat up on Michigan. I mean, they are who they are. They're an average football team. It's an average program right now. You look at Coach Harbaugh's record, and these are just – it's math. He's 0 for 4 against Ohio State and yeah. 0 for 4 in bowl games. And the fact that well, Alabama. I think he's won a bowl game. He beat Florida All right, his first year. One in whatever one the record. 1 4. Yeah, 1 and 4. He's lost so, 4 in a row. So, and then he's 0, and f- 0 for 0 5. 0 and 5 against Ohio, Ohio State. State. 0 for 5, yeah. But I think Alabama had nine starters out. out. Yeah. That, nine starters are out, Bruce. Yeah. And, you know, that, that shows you that, uh, you know, they're, they're a ways away. And until they get a quarterback mm-hmm. that is the caliber of a Justin Fields or or, or a Herbert or or Jaylen, somebody, Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, look at the playoffs. Joe Burrow. Yeah. Look somebody, at the playoffs. Until team. they get that quarterback, it's going to be the same. They're yeah. going to win eight or nine games, and they're going to lose three or four games. That's who they are every single year, and that's that's what they are and that's who they are and until that problem is solved or addressed which it has not been it has not been addressed and that the biggest mystery for Michigan football still remains the inability to get a stud quarterback with that program because a stud quarterback elevates everybody around him and they have yet to have that including when Rudock transferred from Iowa, he yeah. was a he was a nice fill-in player for them. If you're taking a transfer quarterback, and this is true of every program, you're you're the only reason you take a transfer quarterback is because you don't believe in the quarterbacks you have. Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts, Ohio State with Justin Fields, Ohio Ryan Day didn't want to go into the season with Tate Martell and Matthew mm-hmm. Baldwin. He didn't want to. He thought Justin Fields was an upgrade. And Joe Burrow at LSU, they didn't want to go into the season with the guys that they had. So they were willing to risk offending those guys and having them transfer. And one of them did, and two did here. And that's just what happens. But the fact that Jim Harbaugh takes Jake Rudick, and he takes John O'Corn, and he takes Shea Patterson, tells you he doesn't believe in the quarterbacks that he has. Because if he believed in the quarterbacks he has, he wouldn't be taking transfers. Or developing the quarterbacks that they have. And so he's not... 
hitting a home run on the transfer quarterback market. He's doing the I think he did the best he could when he got Rudick and he did the best he could sure. when he got Patterson. But you're not hitting the grand slam that Ohio State hit with Justin Fields or Oklahoma hit with Hurts or LSU hit with Joe Burrow because, let's face it, there aren't that many grand slams out there to get. No, but you have to be able to identify them. And a lot of it's like NFL scouting, right? It's free agency. So you have to have somebody in your office in charge of quarterbacks around the country or notes on when they were in high school where they rated in your ratings, in your own personal ratings or team ratings or – your individual ratings as a staff, and why is that guy not playing? And then once he enters the transfer portal, we can pull the trigger quickly or make a decision whether we want this guy or not. That is the wave. That is the future. Mm -hmm. You see the success. Three out of the four playoff teams had transfer quarterbacks. You just named them all, and they were all really, really good. And the biggest one, I think that the the most surprising one for me is uh, Joe Burrow. Because Joe had a nice year last year. Mm-hmm. Not a great year, but a really nice, you know, just a nice year. Then this year, what Joe has been able to do has boggled my mind. The continued week in and week out improvement. The accuracy, his accuracy improved so much over one year that I find myself at the beginning of the year and people were starting to talk about it. Joe Burrow, first overall draft pick. And I was kind of like, ah, oh, man, I I just don't see it. But the more I kept watching and watching and seeing the decision-making and the quick trigger and the ability and mobility and the presence in the pocket and to be able to run and scramble and do all these things, it's been a joy for me to watch. And I'm so happy for that kid because, you know, you think about it. Let's see. Uh, SEC champion. Mm-hmm. Check. Uh, chance for a national championship, check. Heisman Trophy, check. By the way, raise, um, in your spare time, raise $500,000 for the Athens, Athens Food Bank right. in Ohio, which needs it, yep. check. And will be the f- pick, unless Mike Brown, of course, decides oh, that. Oh, my goodness. That, you know, that might, not be, that that might be the direct. How do you mess that up? I don't, you can't Kid from Athens, up. Ohio, going to. <laughs> can't mess that up. I mean, it's just, that's just impossible, so, given who that. And uh, let me just say, you know. We didn't see him being the number one overall pick. I made the completely erroneous statement here, which I always I always want to own those, that, and you and I talked about it, and I think we were both the same mind at that point in the season. Why would you draft Andy Dalton to take Andy Dalton's place? Well, the more I watch Joe Burrow, he's not Andy Dalton. No, he's not. Uh, and Andy and that's Dalton, not a, that's Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's okay. Andy Dalton's an NFL starter. He is, but he's a guy who everything else has to be right for you to get where you're going. He's yeah. never won a playoff game. We know Andy Dalton's ceiling is established. I think Joe Burrow's ceiling keeps going up uh, because the more I see him, I think the more point, I like him. Yeah. At some point in time, you got to say, well, there's a synergy here between ability and intangibles and leadership and all the other things that you want. And, uh, you know, for some players, the enormity of the task of being the franchise quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals would be too big. I'm not going to guarantee you that it's not too big for Joe Burrow, but I'm going to guarantee you that of all the players in the draft available right now while the Bengals have the number one pick, he's the best bet to handle that burden. Well, remember I told you Urban Meyer gave me his checklist of what he sees in the quarterback and throwing was number six Mm. on the list. Now, that's just Urban's. Sure personal preference but it was you know the, the intangibles were very high competitiveness leadership yeah, yeah. all that toughness and the yeah. um 
making big plays in crucial times, uh, smarts. I, I forget his list, but I just know because I asked him about that right away. And in without hesitation, well, the first thing he said, well, number six is throwing. <laughs> then he went through his yeah. list. And I was thinking about this the other day and, you know, watching Dwayne Haskins. Because I got to see Dwayne Haskins toward the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins has got a chance to be really, really good. So the Redskins feel good about that. I, I would feel him. good about it yeah. after what I watched. Yeah. Now, don't forget, Dwayne Haskins' best wide receiver on the Washington Redskins was Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Terry McLaurin was the number three or four wide receiver for Ohio State last year. Yeah. Was he not? Yeah, you don't – I mean, Terry McLaurin's really good. And he played with really two good. other rookie wide receivers. Yeah, you don't want your best receiver to be a rookie taken in the third round. No. Like, if your best receiver is A.J. Green or Julio Jones in their rookie year, okay. But it's a reflection on who you have if your best receiver is a rookie but, taken in the third and round. And I was so impressed with Dwayne Haskins' growth. And the other thing about Dwayne Haskins, he – and I asked Urban about this. And, you know, how did Dwayne Haskins beat out – Joe Burrow. Well, if you watch Dwayne Haskins in practice and you watch him play in the NFL, you can see how that can happen. Now, all things can be an equal. I mean, Joe Burrow has had the the year of a lifetime. I mean, it's it's a once every generation year that this kid has had, including his father betting two thousand dollars on him to win the Heisman at two hundred and one, and I think he ended up winning four hundred grand. Nice, Jimmy Burrow. Way to go, buddy. I mean, that's Way to a believe big, in your son. That's a big play right there. That is a big play. So I, I just think it's a, it's a, it's really cool to see that, and from what uh, Ohio State has been able to do, and it's a really great story for, for Joe to have a degree from the Ohio State University, mm-hmm. and still uh, develop here, and then be able to go to LSU and, and is doing what he's doing. And now he's going to play for a national championship against a team that dies hard. I mean, one thing you can say about Clemson, man, they are champions and I don't think they're better than LSU. I think Ohio state is better than LSU. That, I, I mean, better by, you know, two yeah. or three points yeah. just like that. But yeah. I, I think Dabo Sweeney has these guys believing so much and what they're able to do, and there's so much talent, especially on the defensive side. I really like the um, the linebacker. He's probably going to be the third or fourth pick. Isaiah Simmons. Uh, he'll probably be the fourth pick overall. Very I versatile think. player. Or maybe the third because the Lions might take him, but the Lions need a corner, and the top corner coming out is there Jeff is. Okuda, which, by the way, that, that letter to his mom was pretty cool. Was I don't know if cool he had a chance to, yes, very cool. to read that. And then we had J.K. Dobbins declare for the draft while you were gone, so – it's a lot of good stuff. It was a great year for Ohio State. I, I feel bad for those kids because I do believe that they are the best team in the country, and if it was a best-of-three series, I think nobody could beat Ohio State in a best-of-three series, but in our great game of football, it's not, and that's why I say you don't have to be the best team. You just have to be the best team on that particular day, and, and Clemson was the best team on that particular day. You know, uh, we looked at that game every way I thought we could possibly look at it. And then yesterday, uh, while I was listening to ESPN Radio, uh, somebody threw out a assessment of it in a way that I hadn't thought about that just hit me right in the head that Ohio State got outscored in that game 29-7. to It was 16 to nothing. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they got outscored 29-7. to I hadn't thought of that. And it didn't feel watching it live there at the stadium. Right. Like they were being outplayed to that degree. But you think about Clemson scored 29 points in, uh, I mean, in a half and five minutes. Yeah, 
I mean, that's that's champions. They find ways to get it done. And the look, the whole game. I mean, obviously you had the the touchdown taken away, which was awful. I mean, it's just yeah, a, it's a, a terrible, momentum. terrible call. But regardless of that, zero for three in settling for field goals instead mm. of touchdowns, and the big play. And I remember we talked about this on air, but it's worth reliving because I'm because um, of the way I announce a game and broadcast a game. I'm one of those guys that say a game against two teams always comes down to seven or ten plays. Mm-hmm. You just don't know when those mm-hmm. seven or ten play. The biggest play of that game might have been when that kid tripped J.K. Dobbins. Because how many times have we seen J.K. Dobbins get caught from behind or get touched not, from behind? Not lately. Not this year. No. So. Anyway, I, I got to let it go. I got to yep. let it go. Yep, yep, we all do. Uh, okay, uh, let's read a review, and we want to thank you for reviewing the podcast. Uh, you can go to iTunes and do that. And a couple, three guys do that uh, since the first of the year, which is awesome. Uh, here's from uh, Get Better Each Day. He says, Bruce and Chris are great. They speak the truth, positively entertaining on so many levels, love their humor, sports knowledge, and life advice. Oh, and Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson are, are awful. Good luck, Bruce, in 2020. Good things happen to good people, and you are a good person. Well, well thank you very what much. What do I get? That. Bad luck, or no? I, I think I, <laughs> I'm omitted I think, from the good luck. You know, I had somebody else say, "Boy, <laughs> you really went uh, deep stream of consciousness after the uh, Fiesta Bowl," and I thought they meant on the game, and then they said, "No, no, you talked about your own 2019." And honestly, it's four in the morning. I don't remember what I said, but I. Um, oh, you were you were talking about yourself. I think I was talking about my 2019, and you know. Somewhat was, challenging. 2019 <laughs> was a good year uh, because good things happened out of something that was unforeseen, losing uh, losing yeah. the zone. So that was all right. So appreciate the uh, reviews very, yep. very much. Very much. Now, uh, you guys, we'd love for you to win the couples membership to Premier at Sawmill Athletic Club, and the, and the entries are rolling in. You have a couple days left to enter. We're going to draw that next week. Go to SpielmanandHooley.com. And the entry form's right there on the front. You can't miss it. Couples membership to Premier at Sawmill. It's right at Sawmill and Bethel, just a little bit, eh, one direction from it, away from town toward the river. Just a phenomenal facility, and we want to thank Jim Miller, Regan Coyvistu for making that available to us. You cannot be an existing Premier member, but if you'd like to get in shape in 2020, it's the time of year that everybody comes up with the New Year's resolutions. You, your wife, uh, get in shape. You have kids. You can add the kids on for a minimal cost. Even just to hang out at the pool in the summertime, it's definitely worth it. You get all your, uh, most of your fitness classes. I'm sure there's some you can pay for individual fitness instruction, but you get uh, aerobics and you get yoga and you get strength training and you get all that. You get ellipticals and steppers. It's the best uh, fitness club in Columbus and beautiful, clean locker rooms. So enter and uh, win that uh, courtesy of Premier at Sawmill Athletic Club. Okay, Mr. Spielman, um, I know this will uh, shock you. I was listening to Jimmy Haslam yesterday uh, talking um, about, his vision for the Cleveland Browns. And uh, let's just say that he uh, sounded an awful lot yesterday like he has sounded many, 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 many times in the past. And as owners, we take full responsibility uh, for all those changes. I think at the same time, having um, been in Northeast Ohio and the city of Cleveland for these past uh, seven years, uh, are more determined than ever to Uh, for lack of a better terms, get this right. And uh, we're extremely focused on getting the right head coach and the right GM because we want this to be the kind of environment, kind of team with continuity that 
uh, I'll be honest, this organization, our players, uh, this city and Northeast Ohio deserve. Okay, so uh, that was yesterday. That was not when he brought in uh, Mike Pettin or when he brought in uh, Hugh Jackson or Mm -hmm. had Sashi Brown or he had Ray Farmer or he had, you know, other guys. Uh, We're rebooting the reboot of the reboot of the reboot. I, he has no other choice. I mean, what else do you expect yeah. him to uh, say? It's it, Two things can be true, and I heard a lot of Cleveland radio hosts griping about this. How can you trust Jimmy Haslam to get it right? Well, I'm, I don't know that you can. but What choice but, do you have? But continuing with what's wrong is not a better move than trying again to get it right. So the only question I have, and I think if I were a coaching candidate or GM candidate for this position, what's, what's a guy that lives in San Diego, what's his role? Paul D. Podesta. Podesta, What's his uh, role? Chief strategy officer. What strategy of what? Okay, so here's the best portrayal of Paul D. Podesta's role that I can give you, and I must credit Albert Breer of the NFL Network, who you and I have had on uh, a radio show before. He's a big Buckeye fan, and uh, and he's with I think Albert's with SI now or Monday Morning Quarterback. Somebody. He's on. He's pretty. He's on and on. Okay, so Albert's connected. Albert says. Paul D. Podesta, uh, when Jimmy Haslam said Paul D. Podesta is going to run the search, what he means is D. Podesta, remember his title, Chief Strategy Officer, that D. Podesta is going to establish the parameters for how they will conduct the search. We're going to interview this guy. This We're going to interview with this process. Here's the process of how we hire a coach. D. Podesta is an analytics guy. So he's very uh, purposeful in his thought and all he that. He doesn't even live I know. in Cleveland. I know. He doesn't live in Cleveland. But he can establish how you go about finding a coach. Again, I'm trying to put the best face on this as possible. Okay. It, it sounds to me like Albert Breer's opinion is D. Podesta sets forth the parameters for how Haslam and his son-in-law and his capologist and the eventual head coach hire are going to pick the GM so D. Podesta sets the parameters of the search, but he doesn't necessarily decide who gets the job. That's the best portrayal of it. I don't know. That may not be right. He can't have the. He can't. But that's have what that Breer decision. said is D. Podesta's job. He's not around the program. No, he's, he's never there. Well, no, that's not true. He well, he's is there, there twice he's there. a week. Or he's something. there. Uh, a lot of people tell me he's there a lot. Uh, look, I I lived What's in Cleveland. He do. Well, here's the thing. I gotta I gotta at least mention this. I had a job in Cleveland, and I didn't quote-unquote live there. I lived there five days a week. I had a house there. I don't know if Deep Podesta has a house there. He probably doesn't. The Browns own a bunch of houses in Berea. He probably stays there. But I lived there five days a week, and then I would come home on the weekends. So did I live there? I mean, yeah, I felt like I did because I didn't see my wife and kids. So I don't know how much Paul Deep Podesta is there. He's there some. Okay, what's he do? I think he analyzes data. Chief strategy officer tells me he analyzes data. He's looking at, you know, all kinds of stuff. I don't know because that's not so my realm. So does he look at the stuff and go tell the GM and coach what to do? I don't know. I don't think I, he tells them what to do. I think he gives them information on, okay, so you might want to think about this. Everybody has an analytics guy. Yeah, everybody. So that's, that's everybody. not anything different. Not anything and new. So I guess you don't have to be there to do that as long as he's not making any, any of the decision-making process and all he's doing is providing information so that the decision makers can make the decision here's what i've heard okay that um mike mccarthy will come if elliot wolf is general manager elliot wolf is already there he was brought yes. in by john dorsey from green bay and mike mccarthy will have a shot with and it's he interviewed a, yesterday mike it's McCarthy. a it's a, a you know package deal 
Just like it's a package deal with Nick Cicero and uh, Josh McDaniels. It's actually John Ziegler is going to be the guy. I talked to somebody yesterday who would know that. I said, who's oh, really? McDaniels guy? And he said, John Ziegler. I guess Ziegler and Josh were John Carroll University. Okay, players. then John Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. Well, regardless, the, the, the formula remains the same, that the head coach is going to want his GM. Mm-hmm. I don't really necessarily have a problem with that. Because I do think those guys have to work hand in hand and they have to trust each other and know each other. And the head coach says, I trust you to go get the players that I want. Then the general manager says, I trust you to develop and get the players to play at the highest level that I bring to you. Mm-hmm. And so that that's the direction. Now, the other thing that keeps popping up, and I don't think it's going to ever happen, I have no inside information, is that Urban Meyer's name keeps popping up. Bruce Feldman yesterday of Fox Sports did the Rich Eisen show. He did 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Bruce Feldman says he's hearing Bruce Feldman's with The Athletic and Fox Sports. He says uh, he's hearing from multiple people that the Browns are, that there's mutual interest. The Browns have strong interest in Urban and that Urban has strong interest in the Browns. Uh, Haslam yesterday was asked about Urban specifically by Tony Grossi and he said we're looking at people with NFL experience. And then Tony said, well, does that mean you won't go back to him? And he goes, I think I just was clear on what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he didn't – that doesn't mean no. It doesn't mean he's looking for making NFL experience with a GM. He could say that, or he could say, well, we look for guys with NFL experience. We liked Urban better. Yeah. One thing about Jimmy Haslam I think is fair to say, whoever talks to him last has the most influence over him. So I wouldn't want the first interview with Jimmy Haslam. I'd want the last interview. Because yeah. here's the thing. Don't overthink this. This is what I would tell the Browns. Don't overthink this. I, I think you made the right move getting rid of Freddie Kitchens. That was a no-brainer. I favor the firing of John Dorsey. I know a lot of people don't. I think John Dorsey didn't want a strong head coach. He wanted to run the operation and, and the organization. He, Mike, uh, John Dorsey did the same thing Mike Holmgren did in a different way. Mike Holmgren took advantage of a clueless owner, Randy Lerner, came in and didn't work hard. I think John Dorsey worked hard. Oh, yeah. But he saw a clueless owner that he could come in and 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 outkick his coverage. John Dorsey should not have been running the entire operation. I think John Dorsey can be an okay GM, but when he ran the entire operation, I cannot absolve him of responsibility for much of the dysfunction that I saw on the team. He didn't rein in the Browns last summer. He's the experienced hand there. Freddie Kitchens isn't. He didn't rein in the Browns when they were talking about how great they were going to be. He let the the visors and the watches and all that nonsense happen. And so he's not he's not absolved of that. So he's and he made some bad personnel decisions. I mean, right now, hey, I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's not the quarterback of the Browns for the future, but here's what's indisputable. John Dorsey had the first pick in the NFL draft. He picked Baker Mayfield. Two quarterbacks picked after Baker Mayfield have their teams in the playoffs in their second year, and one of them is going to be the NFL MVP. Now, you can say nobody saw that coming. It's John Dorsey's job to see that coming. There's only 32 jobs in the NFL like John Dorsey had. That's a very exclusive club. You're paid to see those things coming. So I'm not firing him because he didn't pick Lamar Jackson, or who I don't believe in is sustainable, or Josh Allen. But I'm saying all the people who just gloss over the Baker Mayfield pick, you can't be sure about Baker Mayfield. He blew the second pick. Excuse me. 
He blew the first pick in the second round of that draft, Austin Corbett. I know Denzel Ward made the Pro Bowl, but over time, are you sure Denzel Ward is going to be the best player to have been picked at number four? Not if he keeps getting hurt every year and sitting out three, four, yeah, five games. You can't predict that. You can't, you can't predict pre- injuries. I, I said it in the very beginning. Denzel Ward's a slight kid playing corner in the yeah. NFL. How do you know he's going to hold up over you time? You don't know that about any player, though. But pass they're... rushers live longer than corners mm-hmm. in the NFL. And I don't Brad... know. I saw that. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Brad... Terrell Suggs, uh, who's the guy from Syracuse, yeah, Dwight Freeney. Uh, okay, then I can name Richard Sherman. I mean, okay. we can we can play the name game and go saying, back and forth all you want. Affecting on. quarterbacks is the – yeah. having a quarterback and affecting quarterbacks. I'd have picked Bradley Chubb, and yes, I know Bradley right. Chubb had a knee injury and was out this year, but I'm just saying – I still would have picked Denzel Ward. John and, Dorsey has not hit the home runs people think he's hit. He hit one with Nick Chubb. Yes, he did. So I'm just saying – Dorsey, I think, is fine. He's got to go. Two things can be true at once. The two guys you have are not good enough, and the owner you have is not good at picking people. Dorsey would be great what Jimmy Haslam wanted to do with him. You're in charge of uh, personnel. Go find players. Go find players. That's what your your job is. And take it to the GM and let the GM decide whether. The coach. The, 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 and the GM. Well, you said Dorsey's picking the players. And I then put let... him as a director of player personnel. Okay, great. Or something like that. Just you give him another run an time. organization. My point, look, I think Baker's got all the ability until he is humbled and willing to listen to others around him and saying that, hey, Baker, I'm not telling you what to do. My goal is to make you a better player. And why don't you accept that and understand that maybe, just maybe, you don't have all the answers. Maybe you might want to listen to somebody that knows what it takes and has worked with and coached great quarterbacks and learn from those guys. Mm-hmm. I think Baker's thing is, you know, that, that that thing turned me off so much a couple weeks ago. I know what I need to fix. Yeah. I mean, what do you – I okay, you how know how you to know? fix it. How do you know? Yeah, how do you know? Because it's not working because if you were going to fix something, you would have fixed it this offseason. Instead, you got worse instead of getting better. Yeah. He can be so good. I I just don't understand his mentality until he humbles himself and says to himself, there are people that out there that are going to help me even be better than I am instead of saying right right away, hey, Baker, you could probably use some help. What are you saying? I'm stink? I'll fight you right now. Yeah. I I mean, come on. If you don't want to be coached, you don't want to get better. That's true. If you don't want to be coached, you don't want to get better. That's just flat out. I think the Mike truth. McCarthy would be the best guy. For I do the too. Job. I I'm just that's why I said in the beginning, don't overthink it. You want a they said yesterday, you want a proven NFL coach. There he is. He's won a Super Bowl. He's dealt with a headstrong, oh. enormously talented quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. He fits with a guy who's already in your Elliot building, Elliot Wolf. So there's less upheaval. It's- He's been away from the game a year. He's been humbled. He's looked at himself hard. He's got a plan in place. He embraces analytics now. And so Mike McCarthy is there. You've interviewed him. Hire him. Yeah. If you liked him, hire him. a lot of love to be on. To yeah. let him sit eight days while you wait to interview Josh McDaniels is dumb. Well, because McCarthy's somebody else going, can come along yeah. and hire him. I think McCarthy's going to the Panthers and yeah, going, he's going to the he's Giants. Going, he's making the tour. I'm like, look, Mike, if Yesterday, if you liked what you heard yesterday, what let him left the Just building. say, Mike, we want you here. 
Do you Are you committed to us? Are you committed to us enough to say no to these other interviews? Because if you are, we'll go out and introduce you right now. But no, they're going to do a wide search, and we're going to talk to this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. And then guess what? Then the guys who you keep waiting can get better offers or can rethink their commitment to you or your commitment to them, and bad things happen. It's like the shark tank. Don't leave the tank. Yeah. Bad things happen. The good, th- uh, the good news is that the Browns are 0-0, zero and, zero and they're a humble team, and you just have you better have somebody strong because if you don't, you're going to get and you're going to get what you had this year. So where the players are going to overrun the coach and they're going to do what they want and say what they want. And even uh, Todd Munkin came out this week, offensive coordinator, yeah, uh, saying something about that. This place is a total mess. What so. I heard was he said, <laughs> he told somebody that the plays they would game plan for. That they'd get to the game on Sunday, and because Freddie Kitchens called the play, Freddie would call totally different plays yeah. than what they had put in their plan through the week. Can't do that. I mean, uh. you can't. You you practice, and you got to believe in it. And you got to stick with it. Then you adjust on the fly. So, so I'm skeptical when I heard the head coach is going to be involved in the hiring of the GM and all that kind of stuff. So I, you know, you know, look, anybody who's listened to me in Cleveland for five years knows and that I say, hire Rick, your brother, as team president. Let him hire the GM. Let him hire the coach. Uh, I'm not even going to ask you to comment on that because then people think that you and Rick have talked and whatever. So yesterday when they said they're going to do head coach and GM, I was like, oh, this is doomed to failure. So I reached out to somebody in the NFL that I respect. And I said, you know, can this work? And so he gave me his assessment of the playoff teams right now and who runs them. And, And this gentleman actually said he likes the head coach articulating the vision, telling the GM what kind of players he wants. Yes, everybody And then does. everybody's on the same page behind the coach, and everybody's on the same page, in this case with the Browns, behind the quarterback. You have to be aligned behind the quarterback. So he says in I agree H- with that, by the way. He says in Houston, it's Bill O'Brien. that everything. It's In Buffalo, it's Sean McDermott. In Tennessee, the GM, you know, kind of sets the, the course. Not the coach, not Mike Vrabel. In New England, obviously, it's Bill Belichick. But Mike, wait, no, wait a second. Now, Mike Vrabel determines on game day, the coaching staff and the players and how the team is run once that final 53 mm-hmm. is made. That's the way it usually works everywhere. Go ahead. Uh, New Orleans, Sean Payton's the guy who sort of sets the course for everything. Seattle, uh, Pete Carroll does the same thing. In uh, Philly, it's the GM. I, I, not so, no? John Schneider's the one that, that picks the players. Picks the players, but yeah. that Schneider came in after Carroll. Carroll was hired, and they... Hired Schneider right. to work and together. Schneider, they turned the roster over together. Schneider is really good at his job, and Pete has great trust yeah. in Schneider. San Francisco, it's all kind of flows off Kyle Shanahan. That Lynch, you know, Lynch and Shanahan are aligned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas City, Andy Reid. He obviously won the power struggle with John Dorsey. Yeah, but there's a young GM there. I forget his name right now. That uh, again, what kind of players you want, coach, and the coach. Since yeah, that's what he's to, saying. He's yeah. saying that it's all lined behind the head that's, coach. That, it should be head coach sign of sets the course. But he says in Minnesota, you know, Rick brought in who I don't know who Rick's GM is, but he brought in Mike Zimmer. Yeah, and that it's more in Minnesota. It's more like I envision and would love for the Browns to do with Rick uh, is let Rick set the course for the organization. Um, it can be done a lot of different ways. I think right. and Jimmy Haslam talked about. Uh, it can be a lot. Well, I just want to say it can be done a lot of different ways, but the vision has to be the same. There mm-hmm. has to be one voice alignment. They and all we, have to be. And aligned. We can't have before the games players lobbying to get out of there yeah. before the season's over. Come get me. 
You can't have coaches saying this is a total mess. Ugh. You can't have head coaches out there wearing it Pittsburgh started it t-shirts no. in public. I mean, you just have to find strong leaders with thick skin. Yeah. You that, really do. that don't pay attention to the noise. Uh, here's a question. Haslam's tried it a bunch of different ways. Uh, so here's a very fair question yesterday, his press conference from, uh, I'm not sure who asked it, so I'm just going to play the question and Jimmy Haslam's answer. You've had a bunch of different organizational structures. Why is this the one you prefer right now? You know, I think this, and let's face it, we're learning the hard way, right? Uh, I think this, everybody talks a lot about structure, and I think structure is important. But I think far more important are, the, are these two things, getting the right people and making sure they're aligned, okay? And I think if you, if you looked at all 30 of the other 31 teams, there's all kinds of different structures, right? But if you look at the successful organizations that are consistently in the playoffs year after year, there is alignment within the organization and they have the right people in the right place, coach and GM. And so that's what we're focusing on tremendously and they have and one that voice. alignment is something that's really really important it sounds easy but it's not yeah so then Doug Maurice followed up uh with were Freddie Kitchens and John Dorsey aligned and Jimmy has them like scrunched up his face like I don't really want to answer that but I kind of need to address it and he said I think we can always do better which means no they weren't aligned mm-hmm. which is Nobody's fault but John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens because John Dorsey hired Freddie Kitchens. Right. He got to, I mean, the the talk is that Paul D. Podesta wanted them to hire Kevin Stefanski. What do you think of Kevin Stefanski? Because he's with the Vikings and he's back in the rotation of coaches the Browns will interview this time. Yeah, I think he's he's a really smart, bright guy and a good young coach. You know? Could he handle Baker Mayfield? That's kind of up to Baker. I, I don't it's know. It's kind of up to Baker, been, isn't it? I haven't been around Kevin long enough. Yeah. It is, everything's up to Baker. He's a quarterback. Yeah. And, and he always, I, I just want – see, I, I, my, I would be considered a fan of Baker Mayfield. Wouldn't you think yes. that? I, I think yes. I – Yes. I, 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 I am too. I have so much uh, respect for his ability when he's on. I just want him to – not lose his edge, which is very possible, and yet be humbled that there's people out there that can help me become a better player. He's lost throwing the interceptions he threw this year after exhibiting the accuracy that he exhibited as a rookie. Yeah. He's lost. So what does that typically boil down to with a quarterback? Their footwork is messed up. So how do they get it fixed? They accept coaching. Um, yeah, I'm going to disagree with you there. Okay. Great quarterbacks can throw the ball. What I've learned over the last two years, and I didn't think of it my first year in the NFL. After over the last three years, I watched the great ones play. Doesn't matter where their feet are; they can they sh- deliver strikes. I agree at, with from you. Any body position, Mahomes can do that. And, and Rodgers can and do that. Baker could do that at times too. There are some guys who can do it. I'm not sure he can do it enough. So I, we'll. Agree to disagree. Well, he needs to. I mean, they need to rediscover that they got a pretty good running back. I think the leading rusher in the NFL, maybe you're close no, to No, because they gave him the ball. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go with this is why, like, no. going into the Bengals game, you know, the thought was the, the reporting of the pregame um, analyst was well, the Browns are probably going to stick with Freddie Kitchens, but 
they want to evaluate what happens today in Cincinnati. And everybody's response was, well, that's ludicrous. They should have enough to go on. Yes, they should have had enough to go on. But I don't think it's ludicrous to continue to evaluate. So when you go out there and your team plays uninspired and your head coach runs Nick Chubb, the NFL's leading rusher, 13 times against the NFL's worst rushing defense in a game where you were not hopelessly behind and had to throw all the time, that's an evaluation piece where I would have said, okay, I can't have, because what's the job of a head coach? To give your team the best chance to win, right? Would you agree that's the job of a head coach? That's the only job. That okay, so when you run Nick Chubb only 13 times against the NFL's worst rush defense, you're not giving your team the best chance to win. So that's why I would say, you know why? Because bye-bye. I, I mean, seriously, I, I think he was so afraid of offending Jarvis Landry and, and yeah. OBJ. I really do. How much did, and, and again, two things can be true at once. Odell Beckham Jr. could be the wrong player for the Cleveland Browns this season. Doesn't mean he's not a great player. And it not be the fault of Odell Beckham Jr. Right. He can't help where he's playing. He's traded for, he's got to go play there. They did not need to trade for Odell Beckham. They did not. And he brought in a bunch of things, some good, his ability. Same with Jarvis Landry. Some not good. And... Remember I told you this when, yes, Jarvis Landry when Jarvis Landry signed came from there. Miami? Remember yes. I came in and told you, eh. Oh, there's more catches than anybody in the NFL over little, 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 Well, that's funny. If he has more catches in the first few years of his NFL career than anybody else. Why are you trading him? Why would the Dolphins not want to keep him? There's a reason. That's right. Never let good players go. I know. But John Dorsey never met a player whose talent didn't trump their baggage. Never in his life. Tyreek Hill, Justin Houston, Kareem Hunt, you name it. If you got talent, John Dorsey you're, doesn't you're care what's guy. on your resume. He's your guy. Absolutely right. So there you go. And when you bring in, as I've covered many times, guys who are not single-minded in pursuit of winning. Can we get the Browns on hard knocks again? That's what we need. No, what we need are the Browns to be the first client of two guys in a basement, NFL <laughs> consulting. I just, I listened to Haslam, and, you know, I, I feel, honestly, I feel bad when I hear people call Cleveland sports radio shows and I hear, I hear Cleveland radio hosts rip Jimmy Why? Haslam. They, they, they don't make a, they, think, they rip the Ford family constantly. I know, but I, and I don't know the Ford family, yeah. but from, I've talked with Dee Haslam a couple times. She's a very nice lady. Mm-hmm. I think Jimmy Haslam is a guy who, if he was sitting across from you and I here in a basement, and we were three guys in a basement, I think you and I and Jimmy Haslam would really like each other. Yep. I think he's a genuinely nice And he wants to win as man. much as anybody. He does. And I think Browns fans are like, ah, oh, he's an idiot. He doesn't want to win. Of course <laughs> he wants to win. You think the guy doesn't want to win? You think the guy's not smart enough to build a human? Every Every highway exit I passed for 1,952 miles has a pilot (laughs) flying J on it. The guy's not an idiot. I feel bad he can't succeed. I feel bad he can't get out of his own way. I'd like to be able to help him and give him the benefit of, you know, just another perspective. But it's It's just so so frustrating. And it's it's really not because of my fandom. It's more of a human thing. It's like I'd love for this guy to figure it out, and I hope he does figure it out. But as I'm listening to him... Everything he describes is Mike McCarthy. Everything. It's all right there in front of him. And he's in your building, and it's right there, and you won't pull the trigger because, well, we might this and that and that. You can't go through life always thinking 
what's the and what do they say the enemy of uh perfect is the enemy of good like you're yeah. always looking for perfect you never like really do what you need to do it's right there you got a guy uh. that can handle a quarterback you got a guy that can handle a team you hit he has the head coach and his gm he has his guy already in the building, along with Alonzo Highsmith, who has that Packer background. And he's, that he's, I think he's leaving for it, uh, Miami Hurricanes. But, but it's a nice transition. It is. It makes sense. It's just an easy transition that makes so much sense. And a guy that's won Super Bowls, that has the NFL experience, and the all-important alignment between Elliott Wolf and Mike McCarthy is already in place. And Mike will handle the egos on this football team. He will. Yeah. And so, I, I think that's the thing, too, that I thought there are two guys I can think of on their list of people that when they walk into the first team meeting, Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield, and Jarvis Landry probably sit up a little bit straighter. One of them is Mike McCarthy, and one of them, honestly, is Urban Meyer. I really, I, I you know, a lot of people yesterday were like, no, you're either way yes on Urban or way no yeah. on Urban. Look, Urban has questions. Uh, will his health allow him to dive into it and do what he needs to do? Now, Chris, here's a you can really give me a perspective. What's what's harder for the whole like quality of life? Is your quality of life as an NFL coach better than your quality of life as a college football coach? Or I th- I think it's much better. I do too. You actually have some time. Right. There's an off season. There's yes. no off season as a college coach. You're always chasing recruits. You're you know, always doing whatever you got to, you know, boosters and this and that and Yeah, and you're just working on football. You're not working on anything else. You're not worried about grades. Some guy gets arrested, you don't get a phone call in the NFL. Well, you it's do. Not, it's not your responsibility. You're yeah. not held accountable right. for. Right. You're not Yeah, it's not your fault that he got arrested. That's exactly. You know, it's the guy's fault. You just fault. decide whether he's going to play or not. That's it's, it. It's actually the guy's fault yeah. that he got arrested instead of your fault. So It is in college too, but we don't The look, only thing I, I that way. The only thing I would be concerned if if I were ever to advise Urban on taking a job, uh I would say if you're going to take an NFL job, you need to have the right personnel guy with mm-hmm. you and you need to have some NFL people around you but urban's a just, smart guy just, yeah I think he knows he I, obviously well i, I know it. i'm yeah. just telling you yeah, what yeah, i yeah. would say yeah. to him yeah. and i'd also say you know you're not going to win every game and you're not going to be favored in every game and you're going to have to handle when you lose that you're going to have to let it go and get ready right away i mean there's you get ready right away and it's not the end of the world when you lose in fact if you're the coach of the cleveland browns or the coach of the Dallas Cowboys or the coach of the Carolina Panthers or Reds, whatever, that it's probably going to come down to week 17. Yeah. If you're lucky, your first year. If you're lucky, your first year. I'm one of those people that looks at this a little differently. I think one of the rotten things about being a college coach is you can't lose and and get where you want to get. In Not the at NFL, Ohio State. In the NFL, yeah. you can lose – Five times a year for sure, and maybe yeah. six, yeah. and get in the playoffs. And if you're the Eagles, seven. Yeah, so and win a division. I think that might release the pressure valve a little bit. Yeah. Not that he'd love, oh, no worries, we lost. But it's just a little different when you yeah. can lose almost a third of your games yeah. and still get in the playoffs. And you know with an NFL team, I don't care what anybody says, it's proven every single week for 17 straight weeks that anybody – can beat anybody, anybody can beat and anybody. never a truer movie 
with a title called Any Given Sunday yeah. because that's so much the case. That, and that's the different, that's the rotten part of the NFL where you say, well, in college, I mean, you, Ohio State walks out there, they're going to win nine times a year, yeah. even if they're just average. They are. That's why Michigan's a nine and three team. I mean, they're they average. Just, they are. Yeah. They're average. Uh, but they have built-in advantages. You have no built-in advantages in the NFL. No. You can't outwork anybody. Everybody's got the same money. Everybody's got the sa- Everybody's working under the same system. You know, there's no Rutgers or Maryland in your division in the NFL. Right. Uh, that's the downside. But if you believe in yourself and you want, I, I just think there are some differences to it. And Well, the perfect example would be the Detroit Lions, who I don't know, had they're, they're on a quarterback off the street, running backs off the street. They're playing with guys that were all 16 guys off the practice squad that they're playing with or weren't on the roster to start the season. They take the Green Bay Packers, who are playing for a number two seed, a bye week in the playoffs, and Green Bay had to kick a field goal with no time remaining to win the game. That's the beauty of the NFL. So we'll or see. Dolphins winning at New England. Yeah, when New Dolphins England, going to New, New England, England needs to win to get a bye. You got Ryan Fitzpatrick, the ultimate journeyman, oh, who's, a, who's a great competitor. He is. He, they go up there and they beat Tom Brady and the New England Patriots who are going for the number two seed. I mean, it's unbelievable the level of competition. So Any that's why sense. I have hope, by the way, for the Cleveland Browns yes. next year. They need to get some offensive linemen, and they need to figure out what they're doing defensively because what they're doing defensively, everybody complains about Baker and everything else. It's not the total problem. That defense was bad. I mean really bad yes, against bad teams. And so they're apparently going to let Joe Schobert go. I've not been the biggest Joe Schobert fan. You are very complimentary. All I know is he makes plays. And so, you know, again, it's always – it's always harder to replace a guy and just keep a guy there who knows your system and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, of course, there'll be a new system yep. with a new coach. Um, I want to shout out Stover Farms Custom Meats, buddy of mine, Doug. Uh, put the uh, hamburger from uh, Stover Farms on the Traeger last night. Big thumbs up from Doug. The hamburger is delicious. And you can get, I think the deal from Stover now is a free pound of hamburger for every pound you buy. When you say you're a Spielman and Hooley listener, maybe they're going to give you 15% off steaks. Uh, Doug got uh, the burger, and he's going to cook some steaks for his family this weekend. He loves nice it. job, Doug. Everybody loves it. Uh, up at uh, 4000 Presidential Parkway in Powell, right there at the Circle K. Turn and head east, and you'll find Stover Farms Custom Meats. Trevor, Chelsea Stover, the parents of Cade Stover, Buckeye. Linebacker, defensive end. He'll be uh, one of the man-eaters chasing down people next year in uh, Chase Young's spot. Well, Chase will probably declare for the NFL here oh, yeah. if he hasn't already. Uh, Go to Washington. Enjoy it, Chase. I want to say one thing about the Browns that nobody ever gives Haslam credit when they say he's a terrible hirer of people. Everybody wanted to hire Hugh Jackson. The, it's like it's not like the Browns have never hired the hot guy. When they hired Romeo Cornell, he was the hot guy. You know, when they hired Hugh Jackson, he was the hot guy. Mm. And it hasn't worked out, so maybe mm. this time then, it will work out. I wasn't a right. fan of Hugh, but I'm just saying. Bring him back. Round two. No, no, no. <laughs> No and no. On Mike that. McCarthy is right there, Bruce. Just, just. Mike is right there. <laughs> Hire the man. He'll end up in Carolina and he'll fix them and they'll. Oh, it's just maddening. Okay. Um, let's see. I wanted to go back to Harbaugh for a second. Uh, he has NFL experience. Back when he was in San Francisco, there was a little flirtation where they almost traded him to Cleveland. That was Mike Lombardi's big uh, gambit that he almost pulled off. Uh, I don't think 
Harbaugh would leave Michigan in the condition Michigan is in. Now, I'll say he's made them better. He has certainly not made them anything close to what we thought he would make them, what maybe as Ohio State fans we feared he would make them. It does go against, in my mind, everything that I think Jim Harbaugh stands for to run from Michigan and head back to the NFL when Michigan has never beaten Ohio State and does not have a Are they going to pay a guy $7 million? Is he going to take a $2 million pay cut? Uh, the Browns? Yeah. Uh, I mean, has a billionaire. Coach? They can pay. Yeah, I, I know, but is he... He's making seven million dollars yeah. at Michigan. Yeah, seven million dollars. Well, he's made a lot of money in his life. I don't. You don't. Money's not the driving force behind. Mm. Money. He's not going to take less. I, money. I don't. I don't. I don't know what his financial situation is. I can't confirm. I hope if you make seven million dollars in one well, year yeah, in your life, well, you're set you, for life. You know, you would you would like to think that, but we know others. I just don't know. I'm just saying. We. I. Can, I don't know what another man's motivation is. Yeah. True. I really don't. So we think we know something about him. As would a you pay seven million dollars for Jim Harbaugh to be your coach at Cleveland? Is the question, and you'd have to pay him more to leave Michigan because then you'd have to have the buyout. Well, I don't have as much belief in him now as I did when he left the San Francisco 49ers. I don't have any. I, 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 I this is the biggest miss I've ever had. Me too. On on Jim Harbaugh. Me too. Because I thought it was going to be. I thought we were getting the ten year war all yeah. over again. Urban and Harbaugh. I just thought, wow, what this is going to be. And it's not. It's just not. It, that's just the math. It just tells you that it's not. And, and so here's the only thing I can come back to on why it's not is I have to wonder, how hard does he work at it? Oh, he works hard. Does he? Yes. Why do you say that? I just, well, what else could it be? Because he was great at the, Stanford. What, he was great at San Diego University. He was great with the 49ers. He doesn't and then have he somewhere, a quarterback. Okay, that, well, that doesn't he, mean he's not working hard. He just can't close a deal on a quarterback. He took Colin Kaepernick and made him a great quarterback. Colin Kaepernick was a very good quarterback when Harbaugh had him. So if he could coach Colin Kaepernick, why can't he coach it out of? It's not about coaching. It's about having a guy that can actually throw the ball. They haven't had a guy that can throw the ball. Okay. Then they're they're going to a new, different offense. Patterson's which is last, out of his element. Patterson's last pass. Although he did run a little bit of spread with Colin at San Francisco. Oh, yeah, a little bit. I was listening to the uh, Citrus Bowl. I'm driving, and Michigan's, you know, they're hopelessly behind. They get housed in the second half. And how about Saban not taking a knee? Oh, yeah. Saban punches <laughs> in that last touchdown. Yikes. What was that about? Uh, I think that was about some things Harbaugh said uh, back during the whole like satellite camp thing where Nick wasn't happy about the satellite camps that Harbaugh was running in Florida and places like that. And I think Harbaugh made some cracks that were taking his shots at Alabama, and so Nick just let Andre Harris pound another one in there. Uh, which, by the way, how lame is it for Michigan's players to complain about that? Stop it if you don't want them scoring. Stop it. What's 11? Um, so anyway, Patterson's last pass, they're hurrying to try and make the score look respectable and Patterson's last pass is up. And I'm thinking, how fitting is it going to be if that's intercepted? The last pass of Shea Patterson's career is intercepted, but it wasn't. But again, I, don't you expect Don Brown to not be at Michigan next year? I do. You That'll can't right. keep playing that defense. First play of the game. Jerry Judy, 85 yards touchdown. That's just talent. Come over, on, man. That's just superior talent beating him. You're, I mean, you shouldn't actually, when I saw the play, I saw that you shouldn't be have your safety 
covering Jerry Judy one on one, and they and there's, him in and the there's slot. no disruption of that route in the slot. And anytime there's yeah. a slot receiver and there's a free release to the safety, you're doing your safety a disservice because you're putting him on an island that he can't handle. That's why he's a safety and not a corner. So you're not as a coach putting your players and giving your team the on that best particular chance to play. Succeed. You are correct. Yes. So Don Brown does That's that what I would a ask. lot. He did that a lot against Ohio State's while he put up. 62 and whatever they had this year, 55 or yeah. whatever it was. So, yeah, I get, Don Brown, that you like playing press coverage and blitzing from everywhere. You don't have the people to do it. Yeah, so so either you got to stop doing it or you got to stop being the guy well, who's allowed to do it. doing it for most of the year. They got caught in it, and, and it was exploited. I mean, I'm I'll, predicting Don Brown is going to jump before he's pushed from Michigan. Maybe, maybe the case. We'll see what happens. Uh, Boston College last night gets housed by the UC Bearcats. Luke Fickle, 11 wins a second year in a row. Is Luke Fickle biding his time for Ryan Day to go to the NFL and come here? Can Luke Fickle get the Ohio State job from Cincinnati? Or does he need to go somewhere else? No, I think he can get it from Cincinnati. If he keeps going 11, 11, 10... Nine, I mean, eleven. You, you like to think he could, don't you? Well, I just—he's going to be an awful tough guy to say no to if he keeps winning and dominating that league. And by all, well, he accounts, didn't dominate he will. this year because Memphis, no, Memphis won it. But now he's Mike beat Norvell him twice. Yes, but now Mike Norvell's off to Florida State, and Luke's got a lot of guys. Going. I, I he's got that think, tailback coming back. I don't think Luke is looking to leave Cincinnati would you? for any other job. He's in the American Athletic Conference. He can win with the talent base in Cincinnati, his ability to recruit. He can win 10 or 11 games every year in Cincinnati. He's going to get paid well. He has, he, he doesn't need to go to go. I, I know that West Virginia was hot on Luke Fickle last year, but why would you take the West Virginia job, who West Virginia ended up selling, settling for the guy from Troy? I think he was from Troy. Yeah. Uh, Troy Brown, maybe his name. I don't Troy, know his Troy name. from Troy. I, I I know he's from Troy. Why would you take West Virginia job and not have a chance to compete in the Big Twelve because they don't, and and just leave for five hundred extra thousand dollars if you're making a million or two million or whatever Luke's making. I just think Luke is in a really good position, and I think he's happy. I believe his wife is very happy in Cincinnati and. I think Cincinnati's lucky to have him. Uh, he's got the uh, statement game at Nebraska next year, September 26th. That's a big one. If they win that one, he's got uh, a tough closing schedule at UCF, at SMU. Those are mm-hmm. two good teams in that league. Uh, but he has Memphis at home. He's got Houston at home. He's got like five straight games at home. Weird schedule for them. They play their last three on the road. Well, those they play dates, like five yeah. Yeah. So, um well, maybe those dates aren't – yeah, they're they're going to announce the dates. I'm yeah. sorry. The, the non-league schedule is set, and they're at Nebraska on right. September the 26th. So we'll see how that plays out. So, um, yeah, I suppose he could get to the Ohio State job from Cincinnati. It depends on what Ohio State wants to do. I mean, they want to make another splash hire, or this wasn't considered at the time a splash hire. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember many people saying, who's Ryan Day? Yeah. Right? Well, Ryan Day now, I mean, I think – We'll see what happens. Um, if Ryan continues to have the success and put the type of talented team that he puts out, put out this year, you know Ryan Day is going to be a hot name in the NFL. And I don't, 
I just think Ryan Day's got a bug for the NFL. I, that's I have no personal knowledge of that. I just think uh, he does, and I think Ryan Day would be an excellent NFL head coach, and he's an excellent college coach. He's just a guy that's a really good coach. Uh, Bruce Feldman yesterday said that uh, he thinks Ryan's going to the NFL at some point, but he said maybe he waits until his kids are out of high school. And he couldn't. It'd be like an eight-year run at Ohio State, eight to mm-hmm. ten-year run. He must be expecting Ohio State's going to dominate for that many years. Well, they don't show any signs of slowing <laughs> no, down. No, they that's don't, do sure. they? They're not getting any threat <laughs> from north of the border, that's for sure. Uh, email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Todd emails the show. He says, I love the show. Keep shining your light with your testimonies. I absolutely love it. When the two of you are not in the same location, the sound quality of the show is bad, nearly where you cannot listen to it. Now, that's not true, Todd. He says, the basement studio notwithstanding, you are both broadcasting professionals and are better than that. You should find a way to fix it. Thank you for your show. I like the football part. It takes me back to Spielman on Sports. I agree. On 1460. That's the CEO's problem. Now I'm in Virginia. I enjoy getting the great OSU football analysis. Keep living lives worthy of your calling. Warm regards, Todd. He says, I think I'm still laughing about the Diet Right Burger Chef memories. <laughs> well, um, that was my fault that I did not get Mr. Spielman, a headset with a microphone on it to plug into his <laughs> You're the phone. CEO. And so he took it into his own hands and uh, got such a microphone. And I believe our last podcast from uh, was it dual improved? locations was dramatically improved. Yes, I believe it was. So uh, Well, you told me to speak into the speaker, so that's your fault. Well, no, I did not tell you to speak into the speaker. I told you to use the speaker phone. That I did. That doesn't mean, like, get right on top of the speaker. I did. Nevertheless... Never no, my, everybody was complaining about it to me. Said, yeah. Okay. Well, call Hooley. He's the CEO. I yes. don't make any decisions. Yes. Okay. Uh, by the way, I'm remiss. Uh, I'm just our, a schlep employee of this thing. <laughs> our friend Joe Dumas, former Buckeye, yeah. greatest inbounds passer of all time, uh, was trying to hook <laughs> up with me in uh, Arizona, and uh, Joe did not text me the uh, from the from the game, so we didn't hook up. So, Joe, I'm sorry I didn't hook up with you, bud, but uh, we appreciate you listening to the podcast. Yeah. And, uh, and oh, he's all, all on it. Yes. A lot of people are. Yeah. All right. So, uh, back in the same location, I'm back with you, and it's nice. I'll start with my uh, portion of the faith Alrighty. podcast, and that is I'm just thankful to get back in my routine. Routines are important. Routines are my, – my spiritual routine is important. As much as I tried in Arizona – to observe my spiritual routine, get up early, find a quiet place, pray, read the Bible. You know, when you're out of your routine, when I'm out of my routine, I'll speak to, for myself, um, I'm not as locked in spiritually. So uh, while I read my Bible in the morning, I, you know, hey, we're going here, we're going there, or other people get up. And, you know, here at home, I know how it works. Everybody's going to sleep to a certain hour. I need to get up an hour and a half or two before that. I need to get my quiet time in the basement. Got my little uh, red lazy boy, reddish lazy boy. Got my light, you know, and it's awesome. And so this morning I just really prayed that I could reconnect with God. I just ex- I, I just um, voiced my desire to really get back into my routine and get close to him. And, and that takes discipline. You know, you shared a scripture a while back about God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of uh, power, of love, and of self-discipline. Yeah. And disciple and discipline, same kind of root word. Mm-hmm. Uh, serving God, being locked in spiritually, 
does require discipline. It's not just God coming down with a magic wand and tapping you on the head and, hey, wow, you have this great enlightened relationship with me. No, God wants you to work at it. He wants you to seek him. He wants you to invest in him. He wants you to set aside time. And yes, discipline yourself, much like you would working out to become a great athlete, much like you would uh, brushing up on all the nuances of your profession to become great at what you do. Anything worth anything takes work and takes investment. And that's not to say that it's tedious uh, or unrewarding or monotonous. It isn't. It's just that it does take discipline because Satan is the master of distraction. He'd love to distract you from your prayer life, from your Bible reading time, from your spiritual enlightenment, from your connecting with God. So I'm thankful to be back in my routine, not just to be in the same room with you to reunite two guys in a basement NFL consulting, <laughs> yes. but to be back in Still my routine. Still looking for our first gig, we by are. the way. Call us, Jimmy, call us. <laughs> Uh, but I'm grateful to be back in that because it does take discipline for me to uh, find my way to the throne of God to have that fellowship with him and to have that personal relationship with him that is so rewarding and invigorating and inspiring and necessary in my life. So I'd encourage all of you, as the holidays typically take us out of our routines, discipline yourself to get back in your routine. Show God that you want that and you're willing to work to get that. Well, in light of it being a new year, and thank you for that, Bruce. I agree 100% with you. Uh, in light of a new year, it's kind of a new start for a lot of things. Um, kind of reset your moral compass, so to speak. And what better way to see to reset your moral compass than reset your spiritual compass? And as you just talked about, one way to do that. Another thing is, I think you got to. Uh, a big thing for me is and for you and because you talked about satan and all the tools he has is one of the tools is uh anxiety or anger toward others right so i had uh an issue with uh somebody close to me that was wronged they were they were wrong done wrong they Someone were done wrong it. yeah they were done wrong there was a mistake that happened mm-hmm. and this person had an issue with forgiveness so i said to this person look at the intent was it a malicious uh, decision to hurt you or was it an honest mistake was there contrition shown by this person was there genuine sorrow for hurting you and i said if there was then i understand your frustration i understand your anger and I understand why you can be upset, but you also have to look at what it was the intent. Mm-hmm. And if the intent wasn't malicious, then you'll have to find forgiveness in your heart very soon. And with that, I said, let me attach a biblical verse to that so that you can say, well, this is not only my opinion, but it's the opinion of God. And it comes from Matthew 16, 14, and 15. After all, Jesus gave us the stern warning. This is the verse. If you forgive men for their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men for their trespassers, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So forgiveness is a really big thing. Yeah. You know, 
for and, and and I just want to encourage people that if you have been wronged or if somebody does something wrong, even if it is malicious, eventually, for your own good, you're going to have to forgive them. But if you look at it after the act happened, you say, "Did that person really mean to hurt me?" Then really look at the intent of that person and really find it in your heart for forgiveness. So, I just want to encourage everybody on this day, the 3rd of January, 2020, to think about forgiveness. And if there's somebody in your life that you need to forgive, not only uh, for them, but more importantly, so your Heavenly Father can forgive you. Yes, extremely important uh, to free yourself from that prison of unforgiveness. I think uh, one of the things I saw David Pollack of ESPN post was that, you know, not forgiving someone else is like eating rat poison and expecting them to die. Because it does damage you. It does. And, and the scripture that you referenced there um, comes from Matthew right at the point where Jesus is uh, answering a question from the disciples about, teach us how to pray. And he and he gives them the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. And the Lord, so he in, he intended for that to be included in the Lord's prayer. That's that important. Like, here's how you pray to God. And if you don't forgive others, your heavenly father will not forgive you. Yeah. And why is that? Because look at all we've been forgiven of. Yeah. Jesus at the cross, forgive every, each of us individually and only individually knows our own rottenness. Well, and our I, own... yeah, I guarantee you, Bruce, that, you know, I am going to hurt somebody. Uh, I don't know how many days I have left, but assuming I have a few more days left, eventually I'm going to hurt somebody yeah. or anger somebody without the intent to anger them. I'll do my best never to intentionally sure. hurt anybody. So we'll see. See, great to have, uh, great to have you out here at the, uh, hinterlands. Yeah. Nice truck, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> wow. Can't hide money. I guess this podcast is paying better than I thought. You, uh, you can't hide money. <laughs> guess, trust me. <laughs> Since February, most of mine's hiding very I well. The CEO is, is, is it, getting paid well here. A lot of it flew out the door. A lowly employee like myself struggling. I got to eat cheese and crackers. Yeah, you got your royalty check over there. Yeah, cash yeah, it. I, well, it's going to stay there for a while. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a great week. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to talk about the NFL playoff games and to preview the national championship game. Have a great weekend.